The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I'm Danielle Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is The Danielle Metz Show. Definition found in Teen Vogue online. Allyship. It's a noun. An active and consistent practice of unlearning and reevaluating beliefs and actions in order to work in solidarity with a marginalized individual or a group. And down the rabbit hole of the observe file we go. Oh, and coincidentally, when I typed that into Microsoft Word, the program flagged allyship as not being an actual word and suggested that I should, quote, consider more precise language regarding the definition of that non word. <laughs> so it was sloppy at best. Um, this is in uh, tandem with an article called How to Use Gender Neutral Words by Danielle Cozzione from August 27th, 2018. I might be mispronouncing that. This is from Teen Vogue, which is basically, although they call themselves teen, they're more aimed towards the 11, 12, 13 year olds. Teenagers actually would just probably read Vogue. So you have to wonder what they're thinking when they're trying to teach very young, impressionable kids. Stuff like gender-inclusive language isn't typically something you learn in school, but its use is incredibly important to make life easier for non-binary peers. It's to help our non-binary friends feel more included and safe around us. So use of language is dangerous. And the only way you can make them feel safe is by using terms that make them what? Like, what does language have to do with feeling safe? Safe from? Any thoughts, clues, anything? Because I'm words, like, real words, know. reality. Um, <laughs> uh, it just it, that to me, the fact that they accept language as violence means that they use they can justify their own violence against language. You know, I am pushing sixty here. Really? You so, don't look a day over 30. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should wear glasses. But, um, so I remember a time when, well, I guess it's even used today, but not so much, when, when, when words hurt, you know, when words were used as weapons, to make them feel belittled, to, you know, basically to hurt people, to insult them, to offend them intentionally. It shouldn't, shouldn't be against the law, obviously. But there, I can remember growing up as a conservative effort. Now you shouldn't say that. Look, that's being disrespectful. You're not being polite. You're not being sophisticated. You're not being grown up. And it's something that you learn going from childhood to adulthood that you don't insult people. You don't offend them. What they've done here, now this is Teen Vogue, but it's put together by adults. Yes. And it's following an adult philosophy. What these adult philosophers are trying to do is to treat every adult out there as children and to instill in society, in dictionaries, in television, movies, theaters, that these are the words you should be saying, that you can't even use them properly. For example, in a movie where somebody is being disrespectful to somebody else and calling them names, no, don't even use that. Books like Tom Sawyer are taken off the shelves because at the time they used the N-word and now today we don't. So we're expunging history. We're expunging the way people used to behave and act. I remember having to laugh actually watching a, an old rerun of, um, I think it was The, the Rascals oh, the or Rascals. Our Gang at the time. Yeah. 
Alfalfa's father is saying to Buck, to Alfalfa, you know, he says, uh, are you still knocking around with that little pickaninny? <laughs> you know, referring, of course, to Buckwheat. Mm. Now, this was this went right over everybody's head at the time because it was common parlance. Today it's like, ooh, <laughs> that's pretty risque today, and, and rightfully so. However, it's historical. This is the way people talked. He didn't mean offense by it at the time. The dictionary definition of the word actually means a, a, a small black child. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I'm getting at? I'm getting at that there is a progression, there is an evolution of language and of civility that is natural in the world without having it imposed or blatantly pushed as an agenda. Well, I think what they're doing more so is they're attacking language that is not offensive. They're just, they're like basically... Like you can say, like the, the N word or kike or kraut. I'm a kraut. Yeah. Um, cracker. All Luffy. those words. Yeah, exactly. Those words were meant as derogatory slurs or affectionate ones because, you know, everybody. Oh, you remember the Rat Pack? Yeah. They, they got a kick out oh, of yeah, calling each other names based on their ethnicity. But what they're doing now is they're taking words like mankind because it's like they go on in the article quote when we speak about mankind or the achievements of man what we're doing is confirming the subconscious bias that men are intellectually morally and physically superior to women which is clearly untrue by using such language we exclude women and for that matter non-binary people from history if it's clearly untrue why make a point of saying yes. that you can't use the word mankind? It's obviously, by your own definition, used generically. Exactly. So they're destroying the language that's not meant as slander mm -hmm. or slur. Well, this is the natural consequence, I think, of people who perhaps had good intentions in the past of saying, look, don't call people faggot, all right? I mean, that's their lifestyle. It's their choice. Uh, let's just all get along. Two, ah, we got away with converting people from using a particular slur back then, let's continue this use of degradation and browbeating to change language into, uh, or to destroy language. Yes, to progressively destroy language. Progressively destroy language um, in the sense of, again, I'll harken back to Ayn Rand. She wrote a book where the word ego was verboten in the language. Or selfish. Didn't you write a book as well about very similar things? Yeah, something along those lines. I believe it was about uh, male and females no longer existing. Yeah. It's a dystopian... Everybody was an it. ...future that these people are trying to achieve where language is much like in Fahrenheit 451 where all words were outlawed and people only used numbers. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, woman, um, no, person, cisgen, people, person, sorry, people, people something, humankind. Yeah. This has been seen before. It's, it's many, many decades old, if not even longer, where the powers that be, those forces out there who are trying to impose their values, their wishes, their agenda on society as a whole, whether by stealth or by force, are trying to destroy a language. It's almost, the economic parallel would be corrupt a currency. Destroying a language is equivalent to destroying a currency in the economy. You, once you have control over the currency, the economy collapses, all of Venezuela. What these people are trying to do is make up words as they go along, destroy words, push an agenda of egalitarianism. 
Everybody's the same. We should all wear sackcloth. Nobody should be distinguishable from the, anybody else. It's very much like a Harrison Bergeron thing. You're skilled. Let's give you a handicap or, or let's handicap you to bring you down to the norm. Well, like, I mean, even they go like, until now, history has been written and told by men to the detriment of others. How did the, the fact, who cares who says what history is? If it's true or it's not true, that's the question, and, not and I, who and, said and it. Where's your evidence that it was to the detriment of others? Exactly. And it's it, part of any attempt to create a society in which all people, regardless of gender, sexuality, or race, have equal opportunities and freedoms to use language that no longer excludes certain groups or creates unconscious bias. Well, who's stopping you now? Well, that's a, it's a nonsensical statement. Like, wh- yeah, exactly. Like, that just everybody can use whatever language they want what they actually what they're trying to do is stop us from using actual real language so that is an outright lie what they're saying is we want to force everybody else to speak the way we want them to speak of course there's no freedom involved in this at all leonard peikoff wrote a book called the dim hypothesis dim standing for disintegration integration and misintegration of concepts and or information and knowledge And this is an example of disintegration. It is the deliberate destruction of language so that people cannot think. That's the purpose of disintegration. It is to prevent concepts from being formed in the mind. And critical thinking, because what it does is it allows you to hold um, two things that can't be simultaneously true in your mind at the same time, which is that um, cognitive dissonance that comes from not being able to think clearly. Because they're asking you to accept a man as a woman or a woman as a man, but you're like, well, they're either one or the other, but it's fluid. And you're like, how can it be fluid? And it it just, it causes confusion, especially, and this is what frustrates me the most, is this is for teens or preteens. And they're trying to inculcate this kind of uh, fear to speak, because they're telling you whatever, if you call somebody by the wrong pronoun, that's bad. Oh, and they also tell them, that they can not, they shouldn't hold those around you accountable. Don't be afraid to correct those around you, such as your classmates and even teachers. In other words, risk being an asshole. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're going to be. Exactly. Be. So yeah, go be a virtue signaling busybody that's policing everybody around you and making sure they're using the correct language. It's And they're t- teaching this to kids that it's only going to hurt them as they get older because it's going to, they're, they're, classmates are going to hate them and they're going to have social problems and it's going to damage them as they get older and as they mature. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Leave the kids alone. Get them while they're young because they know that it's effective. And it is, unfortunately. Children are very, very uh, susceptible to this kind of well, they're sponges, and they don't know how to discern right from wrong because they don't have time because they're taking in so much information. That's why little kids... And they trust as well. They, they trust. trust. They have to trust because they don't have the time to dis- to distinguish right from wrong, which is why, like, my five-year-olds are now just starting to grasp sarcasm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they st- they're starting to get it, but that's only because we give them visual cues or, like, uh, audio cues, like you say it in a certain way. But they, up until this point, they just trust everything you take say as face value. And as long as you can get them young... That means that that's going to become part of hardwired in their brain and getting them out of that mindset is going to be that much harder. For many of them, that is the case. But if you look back, I'm sure you and I were, even though I was schooled in a different province and by Jesuits, actually, and Christian brothers, uh, once you face reality, reality is very forceful. Reality, <laughs> the force of reality is very hard to escape, if not impossible. Reality beats the so stupid out of you really quick. What happens is that as you get older 
and, and get independent, 16, 17, 18, you suddenly realize that what was taught to you by your teachers is wrong. What is your gut reaction towards the school system and your teachers? It's to despise them for, for teaching you falsehoods. And so a lot of these children who are growing up looking at this right now and those who keep their textbooks, if they even have such things anymore, and look back on it, they're going to go, oh my God, how did I survive this nonsense? Well, that's why I think they keep them in longer and longer. You get them in the humanities courses in university and college. So you have their hearts and minds until they're in their mid-20s to early 30s. Yes, yes. Now, when I was going to school, we graduated high school at grade 11. And I was in university at the age of 17. This was the norm. Hmm. This was in Newfoundland at the time. Ontario, of course, was the standard. And so everybody had the change to Ontario. Grade 12 had to be the graduation. And then you had the, lap, what they call it, the lap. The victory year, lap. Victory laps in grade 13. OAC, yeah, the Ontario Academic Right, period. to prepare you for university. And then university degrees became very long and involved And then, well. You, well, I dropped out of high school when I was 16. That's no longer an option in Ontario. They banned it. You have to go to school till you're 18 or graduate grade 12. So there's no, uh, there's no out. Hmm. That's how they make sure everybody graduates high school. Just make sure it's illegal for you to leave high school. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan to take children when they're young and to inculcate them into a system of disintegration of knowledge so that they can't think for themselves. Let the state think for you. And then they're willing to vote in yep. a complete dick like Justin Trudeau. <laughs> You're so kind. That was not the word I would use for him. It's <laughs> an offensive word. Maybe I should be Just slept. call him Richard. <laughs> or Dickensian. A complete Richard like Justin Trudeau. Yes. Well, it's a sad state of affairs when you look at what our kids are being taught these days and having to unteach them every time they come home from school. But with that being said, take care. Take care of your kids. Behave yourself and remind your kids to behave themselves also. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.